Welcome to episode 14 of Blowing Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart. That's right, folks. 14 episodes. Y'all must be gluttons for punishment. Anyway, this time around, we're going to be featuring singer, songwriter, guitar player extraordinaire Jeff Angel of Walking Papers and of Static Land and of Missionary Position and of whatever, because he's just a busy motherfucker. (laughs) I have to say, though... I've been doing interviews for nearly 10 years, and it's always awesome for me when a connection is made. You know, sometimes an interview is just an interview. It's a Q&A. It's fun. It's very much uh, thank you, see you later kind of thing. I've been lucky enough, though, to have some pretty amazing moments when a connection was made that went beyond the plane of just doing an interview, where I could just tell that there was something there to be unlocked. That was definitely the case with Jeff. When Jeff was in town with Walking Papers, they were on tour with Alice in Chains playing at the Roxy Theater. Jeff and I took a walk around the venue, and we found ourselves talking a good bit about the art of songwriting. So being a songwriter myself, I found it fascinating to get into his head and really dissect how he did things. You know, We also talked about what it's like having Duff McKagan in his band. We talked about the new album, Walking Papers 2. And from there, we just kind of went off the cuff. Jeff is a really interesting, very cool, and laid-back guy, and I hope you all will enjoy getting to know Jeff from Walking Papers. And if you haven't heard Walking Papers yet, I highly suggest you do so. So without further ado, let's get to know Jeff Angel from Walking Papers, right here on Blowing Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Welcome to the Blow and Win podcast, Jeff. I love it. It's a <laughs> love pleasure it. to be here. <laughs> now you're blowing wind with me now. You know, you like that, you know? So you, know, you don't get any classier than that, man. You know? You know, I had a song I, I wrote once called Where the Wild Winds Blow, and they just, someone called me and asked me if they could use that title, and then they put me as a character in their story, and it just got published in a book. No kidding! Um, yeah, so the where the, a lot of wind blowing going on in these, uh, in the world today. <laughs> well, is it wind or is it hot air? I'm not sure. It's it, one of the two. Yeah, well, you know, I've, 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 been, I've been told I'm a little bit of everything, so, you know, it depends on who you talk to and what day. <laughs> Ask my wife, yeah. I'm sure she'll say it's all the above, you know, but I mean, um, so well, tell me about that story. What, that's, that's kind of a cool way to kick off the thing, because I, I, I don't know that I was even aware of that. Well, how did that Yeah, kind of just that, well, this guy, uh, took a liking to our band this guy his name is uh, Matt Hayward and he's a Irish author and he does mostly like a, a kind of a horror noir fiction kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he's been kind of doing really really kicking it out lately but he's also a musician guy so he kind of knew of our band and he did the uh he put together the comic book for one of our songs out of the blue. And then he also asked me if he minded if I use that title for one of his songs. And I mean, for one of his short stories. So I guess apparently I think it's called, I'm not sure what it's called off the top of my head, but it's a a bunch of different horror writers got together to write about a fictitious venue. Mm -hmm. Like, and so it's like, but it's in all periods of time and, uh, like that and I think I'm getting his stories crossed you know but uh, so anyways he has the story and the story of some guys uh, um, driving like he's maybe a truck driver or something like that it's kind of uh-huh. like the Phantom 309 story do you know that oh song? yeah 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 it's similar to that but I think but it's a little bit opposite like more like the guy did a hit and run or something and then later on he's haunted by the 
the person that he did the hit and run on and and so it's, that's where the horror comes in and the song's called where the wild winds blow it was a song that i wrote and then he uh, used that title and then he i get to be a like uh, a, a bartender in the uh, in the story which is fun since i've never i've never tended bar before but it's, i think i could handle it hey you know especially depending on where it is you know if it's in a certain part of the country they don't want fancy drinks you know you, know, you can sling some beers and pour some whiskey you know yeah and if they're asking for fancy drinks they might not even know the difference anyway yeah. you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so cool, though, because you know, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I had the pleasure of hanging out with you when you were here in Atlanta, and um, one of my favorite experiences, actually. And we, we, you know, we took that long walk around the the, uh, the baseball stadium, and we were talking about songwriting, and I just love that that songs can be, you know, kind of taken from, you know, out of their you know, out of their natural context, which would be song, you know, and kind of transposed into stories and things like that, because essentially it's almost like they're doing the opposite of what we do as songwriters, where we take stories and we turn them into songs, but taking yeah. songs and turning them into stories, that's kind of cool. That, that must be kind of cool for you to see as a, um, you know, as a songwriter, you know, to see your, your songs like come to life in a different medium. You know? Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, that's what songs do to me when I hear someone's songs. I, you know, I have visuals that, you know, they trigger, the song triggers visuals in my brain and this and that. And I have my own ideas. And then maybe I create a backstory or I relate it to somebody that I know or something like that. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, I think songs are like that. It's like looking through, a, you know, a keyhole or something into a whole nother world that's going on there, but you're not really able to to go in there but you're able to kind of have a look around and then kind of make up your own mind about you know the other areas of it that you're not that aren't clearly being displayed you know mm -hmm. the mystery of it is what makes it you know it's such a magical uh mysterious kind of thing that you know songs are and how they work and the way that the you know the vibrations of the chords and the harmon harmonics and stuff create these uh trigger these emotions and thoughts you know and then you put that together with uh you know the right words or the right settings and stuff and it you know it can definitely uh do something that, that doesn't seem to be able to be captured in other mediums you know it really is because i i've always loved that like how you know i, th I think we were talking about this too the last time you were here is that like how you, know, you can hear like a certain song and you know like you know like sometimes like you might listen to a song and just be like that's a really great song but then some song will like make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up or like some songs will make you tear up and some songs will make you laugh and then other songs they're just kind of songs you know and like that's a pretty powerful um and it's a pretty incredible display of power to have as 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 a human being you know to be able to do that and you know i think if you if you remember we were talking about it and that's like one of the things i always think of is people ask me like how do you do that and i'm like i always wonder like why doesn't everybody do it <laughs> you know what i mean because i yeah. feel like you know like i feel like it's something that anybody can do but yet it's not you know what i mean yeah, I mean, well, it's also like one of the funnest things to do too. You know, what I mean, like just making up goofy rhymes and songs about things with your friends or something. You know, I mean, and, and you know, people like Jimmy Fallon or Saturday Night Live or stuff like that, or the Flight of the Concords and stuff. They made a career out of that. You know, or of just like you know, or Weird Al Yankovic, whatever. I mean, that's when you know your songs really hit is when people take your songs and they, they change the lyrics to be clown you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> that's a, a mark of a, a smack, you know, but I think, uh, you know, it's a, another thing I find interesting is it's like different cultures. What creates a sad song in America is kind of considered a happy song on the other side of the world. As well as like, you know, like all the minor chords are like, that's party music in Eastern Europe. Right. You know? Right. And so in, in America, it would be considered kind of dreary and down, you know? And, and it's like a lot of it is like, you know, the cultural 
what you know the where you grow up and how your uh, what culture you grow up in dictates you know how music affects you too. It's interesting, and it's like same thing. Like I often wonder about you know the Bob Dylan thing where he's like you know when he sings he ends at the end of with a high note. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> and and uh, it's kind of his style. And the funny thing about that is that it's like uh, they say that anytime. You know, like it's the question when people ask, you know, if I was asking you a question, you know, I might put that little inflection at the end of the sentence. Right. And um, they say that that goes back to when our mothers talk to us when we're a little little and they use that high voice that it like, you know, inspires this kind of inquisitive thought in our brain. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if Bob Dylan was the best songwriter. He recognized that putting that little inflection at the end of his melodies made people want to listen, you know? Because the thing is is that you always heard, you know, like regardless of what you think, what anyone thinks about Dylan's voice, like the two things that always stuck out to me was that and the fact that you always understood every single word he was saying, you know? Yeah, his enunciation, his enunciation is amazing. Oh. Where other people... You know, you get these warblers that who knows what the hell they're saying, you know, you know and they like don't the, even have to write good lyrics because no one knows what the hell they're saying. <laughs> you know. Or like the over singers who are like, the, you know, and it's like, OK, so you just like you're saying one word for like six bars, you know, like. <laughs> That's a genius quote by Bob Dylan is, is that he's like to him, the best quality. I think he just did it at that. They did like some kind of lifetime achievement thing. And mm-hmm. he says, I've heard singers that can, you know, sing the word love with 32 syllables, but it's like, he's like the most important quality in a singer is whether you believe them or not, you know, oh, and yeah. I, I agree, you know, so it's like Bob Dylan's believable, you know, but his voice has never been, you know, uh, but you know, you can understand what he's saying and you believe him. So therefore he's a great singer. You oh, know? absolutely. And it's, and it's his voice, you know, but I mean, yeah. so when did your journey begin? as a songwriter like like i mean you know we all have that 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 initial part you know where you know because you and i also very close in age and so like you know i started writing songs like back when i was younger and of course they were probably you know you know they were punk songs and metal songs and whatever and pretty pretty bad songs you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. but like like where where did your journey begin and like my my journey began probably pre-kindergarten and I took the words to Barry Manilow's I made it through the rain and I changed it to I made it through the war and I was write some horrible lyrics about some guy it's probably like the equivalent of like one by Metallica you know <laughs> so the guy and my I was an army brat you know and so it's like as a lot of young kids are all running around with sticks playing war in the yard and some somehow I heard the made it through the rain and I changed all the lyrics to made it through the war and I made all the uh you know, all the lyrics were about some guy that, you know, came back as like a hero with a, you know, and he got medals, but he didn't have any legs anymore. And it was like kind of a sad, horrible story. But at the same time, it was like, a, and, you know, so I, it's interesting when people talk to me about that, you know, like music and this and that. And people say, you know, I didn't choose music. Music chose me. And, and I could say that's totally true. It's like I just was drawn to it mm-hmm. before I ever thought about I had never seen a concert and I'd never knew, you know, my grandpa played guitar, but I hadn't even met him at that point in my life to where songs were already kind of like, you know, they were getting my attention that they were happening out there in the world. And I would hear the song and I wouldn't, you know, they'd take me someplace. So I was just drawn to it. And I was instantly like, I've always kind of been like that. You know, if someone's, it's like sports, like people watch sports. To me, I'm not the type of person that I can't watch sports. I see them watching the sports, playing sports, and I immediately want to go grab a basketball and go play. Right, right. You know? So, same thing when if I hear people are writing songs, I immediately want to go write a song. Right. It doesn't make me go, oh, this is great. Let's tune into that. Like, I'm just that kind of person. So, it's like if something interesting to me, I want to know how it works. You know what I mean? I want to know why it is that way, and I want to kind of create my own version. You know what I mean? Or I'm inspired. 
so I get inspired by seeing people, you know, seeing people do things or hearing other songs or this and that. So I'm, and that's what triggers me to want to take action on that inspiration. And I think that's the key, key to all. That's the difference between a songwriter and a listener or a songwriter and a musician. You know, some people are, they, that, that inspiration, you know, they do something with it. You know what I mean? Right. You know, there's an action after there's the inspiration and there's the action following that. And that's the difference between a songwriter and a listener. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that like what you were saying about like the difference between, you know, a songwriter and a musician is that, you know, you know, you know, you, you, you can be both, but they're not always both, you know, like, I mean, you know, like I've known some great songwriters that are hardly musicians. You know? Oh, exactly. And like I play with two, sometimes they're better. Yeah, I like I play with two really great musicians in a band who don't write songs. You know, or at least they don't write songs for for this band. You know, I mean they might dabble in it or they might, you know, write a little but you know, they're not songwriters, you know? And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, and it's always interesting to me to kind of hear people talk about, you know, how they, you know, how they kind of hone their craft and everything. So like ha- ha- has the way you right changed much over the years as far as like like do you do you have a formula or like is it just one of those kind of things where it just yeah it just happens however it comes um because you write a lot i don't know I kinda, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah lately i haven't lately i'm you know i'm kind of like i guess my you know you got to have time time to do it and some songs kind of write themselves but i kind of let go by the if i had a formula i would get bored pretty quick you know what i mean so i I like them that they come from different ways you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. the more uh, you know it's like any muscle the more you exercise it the easier it gets you know but it's also the better you get at it the harder it gets because you know you your standards are raised in your expectations of what a good song is you know Mm -hmm. and so which is i think a lot of songwriters struggle with too it's like you know what a hit what's a hit you know a lot of way songs that are hits and resonate with a lot of people to a guy that's written a lot of songs are usually really boring you know what i mean right so so, you know so you're it's challenging in some ways but to me you know i mean i always have no i used to you know i always have notebooks and stuff like that because the song you know the difference between a song and a jam is lyrics you know oh right yeah so it's like lyrics make you know to me if you ask me what you know music is music um, and lyrics are lyrics or they're, or they're poetry or whatever or a story and then a song is a marriage between you know music and lyrics you know so a song is you know a chord structure with you know with uh, lyrics and a melody but that melody I mean the arrangements of how that song is played can change you know what I mean that doesn't you know but it's still the same song so but you know music is you know it's beautiful as it is it's just music on its own and when the lyrics and the music come together and they validate each other that's when it becomes a song which I think is a to me is a little bit um I don't know. I want. I don't want to say it's a higher form because music. I like a lot of instrumental music, and a lot of it. I'm fascinated by it because I find by it not having lyrics, it inspires me to maybe even come up with my own lyrics for it. You know. See, and I love that but, um, because I have a I have a good friend of mine who's really into like. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's very much a musician. You know, and mm-hmm. and and you know, just a good example is that you know, for years, you know, he's tried to turn me on to uh, Frank Zappa, and I you know I'm I'm I appreciate music and I love music for what it is but I'm a lyricist and I'm a story guy and I love lyrics you know and you know whether even as corny as some of the corniest poison and rat songs or whatever like Mm -hmm. those are some well crafted songs in their own so like you know when when you get music that is so like overly musical and then lyrics that are kind of like of that Zappa-esque kind of thing like to me I can't I can't channel that because that that kind of goes against what I what I like as or like or, or what I do as an artist if that makes sense do you know what I mean Oh, well, totally. I mean, the Frank Zappa, Frank Zappa, to me, it's like I find it challenging to listen to. I mean, it, but, you know, but uh, same with like the Mars Volta, 
there's yeah. certain things that I like about what they're doing, and I think it's interesting. But I don't know if I actually if I like it or if I just find it interesting. And to me, it's kind of like a it's like a thrift store. You know, there's like some thrift store where people kind of curate what's in there. You know what right. I mean? And it has a vibe, and there's a style, and then there's this, there's like you know there's like a Katie's closet, and it's just anything goes. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it's like anything that's old and used, whether it has a value or not, they're going to put it in the store, and they're not. But they're going to. Then they think they're impressing you by the sheer volume of how much shit they have in this <laughs> store. You know, over it. So, and that's to me is what Frank Zappa's music. It is like, look at all this crazy stuff. It's complicated. Don't you know this is a paperback first edition born identity novel from paperback? You know, and it's like there's a lot of shit that's going on on those records that I don't care about. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Where, exactly. Yeah. You know, to where I'm like, you know, if diluted out and, you know, I might need someone to show me what the good stuff is, but it's like, you know, Frank has a lot to say, you know what I mean? And there's an audience out for him to get off on what he's doing. And they like that chaos and the craziness and all the, you know, all that stuff going on to me. I like it to be, I usually like it a little more diluted than that, you know? See, I like, you know, I mean, like if you like, that's why I always said like, I like the organized chaos of things like Alice Cooper, you know, or even mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, you know, like Ryan Adams, who can who can be pretty chaotic in his own way, you know, when it comes to lyrics. But at the same time, there's some organization to that chaos that kind of channel that that, that I can connect with. You know what I mean? That I can say, okay, there's some pretty crazy shit in there, and you're saying some some pretty, you know, interesting things there, and rhyming certain words that I never would have heard. But like, I can get behind it because it's closer to me than like you said, like, you know, Katie's closet, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like way too well, no, much. I think Frank Zappa's, I think he's kind of an antagonist. You know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. think his music is meant to, to rub you, you know, it's meant to get a rise out of you and to make, you know, challenge you, you know what I mean? And some mm-hmm. people, you know, some people, Charles Mingus or something's another guy that might, that's doing the same kind of thing or, you know, or, uh, you know, and it's like, but I do like some jazz and stuff like that too. You know, I don't know. So it's like, you know, there's something for everybody. I'm not against Frank or whatever, you know, but I, to right. tell you the truth, I haven't really dug in because the stuff that I heard, I was kind of like, yeah, it's a little, I'm not sure if that's making me feel good or feel agitated. You know what I mean? <laughs> I but I did listen to, I was, I mean, I've probably like the Mars Volta, I had the same reaction, but then I listened to them, uh, a lot trying to like understand it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then i was kind of when i was bugging in there i thought there was some really cool stuff that was going on that i got you know like some of the guitar modes and stuff that they were choosing to do and you know speak, singing sometimes in spanish and sometimes in english and like you know like i could tell that you know i could hear the uh sophistication in the in the uh the passion and what they were doing where some of the frank stuff i think is a little more like posturing and a little more showing off you know what i mean yeah like, look how fast we can play look at we could we could think of some wacky ideas here <laughs> to where to me that's cool but i don't i'm not uh i don't find it as uh it's stimulating to me you know what i mean right right you know. well so like you you have you have quite a history behind you too as, as as a artist and as a musician and i mean you you played the whole major label game you play i mean you've been through it all man like at this point most people our age have like tapped out and said like you know i'm fucking done like but what was it that kept you going because it, whatever it was, it brought walking papers back. It, it brought walking papers into like a scene. You know what I mean? That like where you guys seemed to just kind of fit right in. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, I don't, and when I mean fit in, I don't mean like like hip fit in. I mean more like it almost just seemed like the right time for that kind of music. Does that make sense? So like, you know, well, well I mean, I hear what you're saying. That's because that's society, you know, like, um, I love the quote that, uh, Carrie Fisher had said recently. And it was like, they were picking on her because of her age and star Wars or whatever. Right. And she was saying, people think that youth and beauty is an accomplishment. You know what I mean? Right. And I think the same thing's true in music. Like, I just saw, uh, 
I went to the Chess Records on tour when we were in Chicago. Uh-huh. Howlin' Wolf, and I knew this, but Howlin' Wolf was 41 years old before he made his first record. 41. Yeah. He's Howlin' Wolf. <laughs> you know what I mean? What if Howlin' Wolf was like, you know what, I'm not, you know... I'm not looking as good as I used to. My voice is a little scratchy. I think I'm going to hang it up. You know, why was he doing it? Was Howlin' Wolf making music because he, you know, it brought him joy? Or was he bringing, making music because he thought it was going to, you know, save him from poverty? You know what I mean? Right. So it's like a lot of people are playing music for the wrong reasons and I wish that most of them would get out of the way you know what I mean right so it's like because there's there's people out there that actually have honest statements and this and that and I mean and I see some of the stuff going on whether it's you know in hip-hop and rock and this and that it's, it's like you get a little envious sometimes if you see some guy and you're like that guy just all he did was take rage against the machine and muse and put it together and now all of a sudden he's a huge star you know what I mean yeah or or yeah like the five fingered death punch let's just do a cover of every hit song or you know or what's the other one the, the sound of silence you know oh I mean? yeah disturbed when he did that yeah. I mean isn't that like their whole thing is they just do covers of old songs right <laughs> I mean I, I mean, don't know but I'm, I, because I haven't paid much attention but that's but what I'm you know sure for that's what you know him uh, yeah, for and, and if that's like, what you know like, him for and you they're know? huge and people buy that shit you know what I mean? And so, like, to me, you know, they made some genius thing, but it isn't an artistic statement. You know what I mean? They're not artists. They're not, um, you know, but I think if a person's going to do, like, a, make choose an artist lifestyle or whatever, like, you know, most, you know, there is some, you know, the suffering that, you know, you have to follow your muse rather than follow the dollar and I think that that's a challenging thing so why do I still do it because I was never doing it for the, for the money in the first place right I just do it because it um, it still interests me to write songs and make records and I enjoy it and so it's been great to have these um, new opportunities but I'm not like a, I'm, I wasn't you know I mean I think there's been parts where I've actually think I've the when I was younger, I think I had a hard time finding a voice because I kept thinking, you know, you had to conform to do these things to try to, you know, to try to make a thing happen. So it wasn't until I stopped trying that things started happening. It's when I just said, you know, fuck it and just went along with what I like. That's when things actually started opening up for me. And that didn't happen until I was around, you know, 27, mm -hmm. 28. And that's when I started, you know, making records that I'm proud of and that I want to listen to. And before then, it seemed like I, you know, I knew what it was to be an artist, but I had abandoned that thinking like, what do we got to do to get a deal? You know what I mean? Right. Right. And then, uh, once I started thinking like that, nothing happened. And then I'm, and all the music that I made is music that I'm embarrassed of and wish would go away. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to go there to figure out what it is. And then, and then once I was like, you know what, that's, uh, you know, it isn't working and I don't like it anyways. And then you find out, you know, you try to redeem yourself. Yeah, it's so funny. I thank just... God I didn't get famous because some people do, they do that and then they can never get out of that. And then they're, you know what I mean? And it's like, and it seems like the lifespan of the people that think that way are pretty short you know the career lifespan you know it's so funny that you say that because you know people are always talking about how like you know you know they're so glad that like like oh man i'm so glad facebook didn't fucking exist back when i was a kid or i'd be fucking in jail or whatever you know what i mean and like all mm -hmm. i can think of is like man i'm so glad that you know home recording didn't exist when i was a kid because man if some of that shit leaked out i would be like no please don't listen to that man don't yeah. you know you don't want to listen to my song that i wrote you know in my punk band called the ballad of jeffrey dahmer do not listen to that song i had a couple of myself and that's that's you know like sometimes i'm walking around in the world and i see certain people talking you know mm -hmm. and the way that they treat other people you know and i'll go that sounds a lot like someone that's never got their ass knocked out before you know what i mean <laughs> and i think that that's true when you that's to me why i care so much about lyrics having written a couple songs and i'm horrified of the lyrics that are on those songs uh, i'm really careful of what i say you know what i mean well, and the same thing yeah. like if someone that's you know been 
given a fat lip before mm-hmm. you know it makes you a little th- maybe think about what you're saying to people you know what i mean it totally so, does yeah so i think that uh that's how i think about songwriting too that it's like you know uh you know i'm going to be these lyrics are going to follow me around so i want to make sure that they're worth something worth saying you know what i mean not so much that it's not going to offend people but more to the fact of like is it worthy of being a song you know what i mean exactly and that and 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 that's why you know i was uh i was interviewing one of my one of my favorite bands it's this finnish band called uh jess and the anxious ones and I was talking to them and uh, um, their singer and I was like you know oh my god I'd love to hear some of like your old demos and she was like no you won't and you'll never hear them and she was like because like those are parts of like our, our lives when we were first starting that you know we were still trying to find ourselves and we were still trying to figure things out and she was like you know she's like in the minute those things get leaked out they become it's a barnacle of sorts you know like it just becomes attached to you and even if it wasn't something that was uninsulting or anything or or, or something that was insulting it's just that everything that you put out that is that is accessible to the public becomes attached to you somewhere or another down the line you know so there's a reason why i didn't record you know there's a reason why i'm very thankful there aren't recordings of a lot of my older band songs because we were just stupid kids writing stupid songs but then like you know at 44 i'm looking back on and i'm going that could potentially hurt some people's feelings and probably even hurt some feelings of people that I'm very close to, if, you know, if, but of course we're like, oh, it's funny, it's silly, but like, you know, when you're 16, you, you don't think like that. You think like a 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's awkward. You know, it's you, those all those songs have you know pimples and their voices are cracking and they're wearing braces and you know what I mean. <laughs> Bad hair. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad eighties and nineties hair, man. You know, I know you were there, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, those all those songs have hair growing in funny places. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about because it, it's also really cool because um, again, like talking talking to you, one of the things I enjoy about it, especially from the songwriter standpoint that we talked about, and you know, as being being friends and stuff is that you know it's very rarely very rare that the people that I get to talk to are close enough in in my in age you know what I mean to, to me that that yeah, they 35. can uh, I'm, I'm 22 um, yeah. <laughs> but like we were talking about like social media for instance is that like mm-hmm. so recently you know my band you know which is, you know we're just a small band here in Atlanta we play you know like I was telling you and we were talking to a PR person and like the first the first thing I, you know he was some young kid out of LA and he's like he's like so what's your what's your social media game like, man? And I'm like, um, you need to speak English to me, dude. And he's like, let me pull you up. And he's like, dude, your social media game is totally off point, man. Like, you need to get your numbers up. You need to get likes up and stuff like that. And like, I was curious to ask you about that, like. Now that you're in it, I mean, obviously, Walking Papers is an established act. It's got a you've you've got a pretty hardcore, you know, you know, cult following. Um, but how do you how do you perceive and how do you look at like social media tied to music and the quality of music, you know? Well, I think it's like a necessary evil, but I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it's, you know, some things are the same old, same old. It's just a different way of going about it. I mean, in some ways, it's a, a, a lot of these things, whether it's technology, home recording, social media, internet, you know, it's like it's the best thing that ever happened for musicians. And at the same time, it's the worst thing that ever happened for musicians. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's pretty, uh, I think that that's the deal with all of it. You know, there's some people that do it really well. The problem is with me, with social media, and I've had social media coaches at times, and I've had, you know, and I've seen the thing like, 
Instagram's like doing really well now and it's like it used to be all about Facebook and then you know and, and like when Instagram came out I was like man I don't want to have to do two of these things and then of course now you're like well you're 10 years behind on Instagram because everybody else got on it when it came out but it's like I never got into music to do that you know what I mean right. so to me it's like a necessary evil and it is a good connection with fans so it's like I'm trying to see how can you enjoy this you know so then there's people that help us with that but it's like I'm not um, because it's not something that I enjoy and I'm passionate about it and if you're not passionate about it then it's like it's hard to be good at it you know and I think that uh, there is a lot of young people and young musicians that are passionate about it. They think it's great. And they get some validation by having the likes and this and that. To me, it's just kind of, it's more like, oh, we got to do the social media. So we got to post something. You know what I mean? You know, and <laughs> that's me you know. every fucking day, dude. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. We had, it's like, it's like, you know, you, you get that notification. It's like, hey, Collins Drive, your fans haven't heard from you for like 28 days. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Should I, like Facebook I Live say, the people that I, <laughs> you know, like. the people that I know are the most successful in music are because they're great networkers not because they're the best songwriters and the best musicians right that's, yeah. that's my opinion and, and or they're people that were established before the internet mm -hmm. you know what I mean so those people you know that and that was a different game there it was a numbers game then and the numbers game then was how how much money do you got to throw into something to make it break through you know what I mean because something you know a great idea that doesn't get marketed is just a great idea that no one knows about it there's I know tons of great talented songwriters and stuff that are just not making anything happen because they don't either invest in themselves or they don't have someone to invest in them but the right. problem is now it's like you know with these things it's like uh it's not you know it's there's the vacuum thing at some point to where like there's all these great things that are happening but everybody's you know screaming into the vacuum of whatever i'm not sure what that statement is but it's like a you know a lot of people that are out there but people they don't know how to get people's attention you know and so there's these things two people are like music sucks now no it's not just tons of great people out there you're just it's harder to find them because so many people are vying for your attention all the time and now every single person you know you're not going to buy a magazine or whatever to see some cool pictures or whatever because everybody thinks that they're a star and they're all selfieing and doing all these things like that and people are enjoying it which I think is fine but it does you know if you're looking to be entertained it's like I'm not sure that your Aunt Mary's Facebook photos are going to be as entertaining as someone that that's their profession to entertain you, you know? Right. But you might get something else out of it. So I guess it's a good, you know, there's good and evil to all of it. But um, I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. And then there's all this other stuff going on, just like the same way you have people lip syncing. You have people that are faking their numbers, just no different than the Beatles' first single was bought as on, you know, they made it number one because Brian Epstein bought all the copies at his store. You know, or Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix. Here we are picking on Five Finger Death Punch, but Jimi Hendrix made it off a cover. So right. the Rolling Stones. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, it's like exactly. The Rolling Stones didn't even record an original song till their third album. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. So it's like this, it's been lame before and it's been great before and it's like you know how these things happen and whatever it's like sometimes um as a songwriter or whatever as a musician sometimes you're questioning it and you want to see the errors and everybody else's because it justifies why haven't i why aren't my numbers up you know well <laughs> sometimes maybe just your voice ain't for everybody but you know yeah. then you can always go back if you want to feel good about that you can go back to at one point Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and Thelonious Monk were playing a bar in New York to 40 people. Oh, you yeah. You know what I mean? So, and like we just said, Howlin' Wolf didn't get famous. He didn't even record a song until he was 41 years old. And, and, and if he didn't have the Rolling Stones drag him over to Europe and cover his songs or Willie Dixon songs, those guys might have died poor. And some of them did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's so funny because it's it, how, how it just kind of you know, translates into, you know, you, I mean, you know, because at the level that I'm at as a musician, you know, I, I find myself having to, you know, like, you know, like I run our social media, you know, like I run our, our Instagram and I, and I, you, enjoy try, it, you don't enjoy it. You know, you know, the funny thing is, is that, is that I would probably enjoy it if, 
I was doing it for someone else, but it's almost like every amount of time, every it, like every minute I spend doing it is like a minute that I'm not spending playing my guitar or like working on a song or like working on a lyric. So like, you know, at some point, it's just kind of like this hindrance. But for someone like you, though, where like your social media is at like such a high level now, do you pay uh, much? I don't of, think it is. Well, I think it's at a low level. Uh, it all depends on who you're comparing it to. Well, 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 let's compare it to the, the let's compare it to the 200 likes that my that my band has. You're fucking yeah. out there, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but even in that situation, like, do you do you pay much attention to it? Like, do you do you like take any of it to heart? Like, because I mean, I, obviously, that you know, we've learned. No, yeah, that, I do. Know. I mean, when people respond, if I do it, it's to me, it's more like downtime. If I'm sitting in the van and I'm driving down the road, and someone, you know, some fan is nice enough to write a comment onto something, you know, it's like I want to respond and make, you know, I want. I'm a grateful person, you know. Right. What I mean, so it's like if people, like, I, you know, it's like I was starting on this tour. I was like, sometimes I'm talking some banter, but then sometimes there ain't time at a show, and it's just like, you know, what am I? If I have one thing I'm going to say to the audience, it's going to be like, you know, it's you know, it's a privilege and a pleasure to play music for you. That don't matter if it's 3,000 people or 30 people, uh-huh. because it is. It's a privilege it's for those people to give you their attention and their time. And any time someone that's listening to something that you have to say or do it, you know, it is a privilege, and I'm grateful for those people's attention. You know, and so. Um, you know, because it validates what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And I think so. I don't mind that, but at the same time, you know, it's like I'll have the record company and be like, "Will you make us a video for this and that?" And I'm like, I don't want people to see the inside of my wor- world. You know what I mean? Uh huh. I don't. I, I don't want the world to know that right now I'm sitting in here in some too tight shorts, sweaty from going on a run with the Darth Vader T-shirt that my daughter gave me for Christmas. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> a picture of that's not going to help my, speak, my Facebook. It's not going to help for yourself, my Jeff. profile. You know what I mean? <laughs> speak, speak for yourself, dude, because that'd make a hell of a photo. <laughs> yeah, they're like stars. Stars are just like us. You know what I mean? Oh my God! Look at him. I was like, you know, but no, but that's, but that's, no, I I totally get that because like, you know, when I, when I look at social media and, and how it's used with bands, like, like, I feel like some bands overuse it. I feel like some bands underuse it, but yeah, but then I find that some bands have found this, like, you know, um, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're from, uh, oh yeah, I think you have, we talked about them, Graveyard from Sweden, you know, like, like they found this way to use their their social media especially like their Facebook where it's almost like a mystery you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like it's like well, you, you know, don't the hear guys, from that, them for a while and then all of a sudden my wife also owns, owns this Sisters of the Black Moon clothing Oh yes, yeah, um, Jonathan. Yeah, so he's a she, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Well, they totally built that whole thing, and it's all built been built on social media and word of mouth. And it's like there's some people that are really good about it, and I actually like watching it. Another guy that I really like, I'm not a huge fan of his music, but I like the Father John Misty. His social media is great. He's hilarious. Like oh. to me, you know, at, at this point, it, it crosses some line of like, what is this person? You know what I mean? Is he a musician or is he a songwriter or is he a figure? He's a public figure. He's an entertainer of sorts. So he found a way to like, you know, are you like, is he serious or is he making fun of himself? You know what I mean? Right. And then of course I've also seen like, I'm a big Nick Cave fan and, and Tom Waits as well. But then I see like Tom Waits will not be bothered and he makes everybody sign non-disclosure agreements, you know? Right. But you're never going to see Tom Waits doing it. He's never going to do some spoking head documentary where he's going to let people into his life ever because it would probably ruin his thing. Right, right. Right. But then you have Nick Cave. What's he is like on his third movie? He just made about himself. Right. Yeah. And I would have never thought that he would do it, but he doesn't seem to have a problem laughing at himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And uh, in, in a different way. So some people find a way to do it and maintain their integrity and have a little humility, humility in it. And I think that's great. To me, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little. 
you know, I like to live vicariously through the songs, but I don't really think that I'm interesting enough person that I, I want cameras to follow me around. And anytime I've been invited to do that kind of thing, I've usually kind of been like, no, no, thanks. I don't yeah. mind talking to people and I don't mind getting my picture taken or whatever is part of the deal. But like, I don't want to like, um, you know, try to put together like home movies and stuff like that. It's like it never, I always kind of regret it. You know, you, you don't want to be in the real world, you know, like the TV no. show <laughs> you know, where you're like following around 24 seven, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I've been, I've had some invitations to do a couple of those things and I've always bowed out. I mean, you know, I mean, but, but that's funny because to me, you know, there's, there's this, there's this, a plus and a negative to it from a fan standpoint. Like, like but for me like like a plus to me is like you know as huge of an Iron Maiden fan as I am and as huge of a Grateful Dead fan as I am I've never met you know I mean except for I met Bruce Dickinson once many many years ago and he was a super nice guy but like I don't know that I would want to see the you know a day in the life of Bruce Dickinson or like a day in the life of you know somebody because to me it's like I have this image in my head of what they are and I want to keep that you know what I mean like I I don't necessarily want to know what he eats for breakfast do you know what I mean or like you know how what he exercises to and stuff like that you know and and it I always feel like when people want that much information on an artist it's just kind of like it kind of goes it kind of goes into that kind of stalkery territory you know what i mean yeah i mean or if somebody creates a persona for themselves and that's what they want you to see and i think that that's the uh tom waits thing you know I mean, he created a persona for himself that's working but uh and i think that i don't know in the nick cave movies which we always buy the tickets and go see it in the theater and everything and because we're fans but in his one movie he's talking about that he uh you know the lines got blurred and now he just became that person you know what i mean so they're they're waking up and being that person all the time and i don't know that i would ever want to be you know to like you create this persona for yourself and then you're trying to live up to be that thing you know i mean that's more than i kind of like sitting on the fence and being able to traverse the two areas at will you know what i mean i, I mean my family and stuff means and my friends mean a lot to me and I'm, i like to be goofy and this and that i don't like to be thinking about how many numbers i'm going to get likes i'm going to get like this or my my face doesn't look so attractive under this light and at this angle and that's a, a weird world to live in and I, I there's that brilliant quincy jones article that was out right and everybody went and watched it because they talked about richard pryor and marlon brando mm-hmm. getting it on have you heard about that no no well he, well, he basically he said that richard pryor and marlon brando got you know physical with each other or whatever and it was a huge shocker so then, of course the internet went crazy about it and then the interviews with quincy jones but then when you see the quincy jones interview there's all sorts of really great wisdom in the interview and, and that's just the shocking point that got everybody to pay attention, you know? Right, right. But when you read the interview, he says that uh, he has a thing that he says a couple times in there, and he's like, God, he's like, once people start talking about numbers, God leaves the room. Oh, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So, so he's like saying, once people start trying to think about writing hits, or once people start thinking about who's getting paid for what, you know, great things stop happening. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's kind of, I think that's kind of true. It's like if, if the Instagram, if you're worried about what people are going to think about it, you're not going to be good at it. And two, if you're worried about how many likes you're going to get, you know, it's going to cause you stress. You know what I mean? So it's like. Well, it's also going to take away from, it's also going to deter from your art, which is, you know, like, you know, because the whole point isn't for people to like you on Facebook. The whole point is for people to like your art that you're projecting via Facebook. You know what I mean? And so, like. I don't even think the point is for people, if the point is for people to like your art, then I think you're doing it wrong, too. Oh, interesting. I think the point, yeah, I think the point is that you should make, the art should be an expression of what you, do you like the art? Who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks? You know what I mean? So if you like it, 
and then and then it's good. And if someone else, if you don't like it, then it ain't. And that's true whether you're a virtuoso or if you're an audience member. You know, you're right because it's your opinion. I think the problem where all the shit goes wrong is where people start letting other people decide what they like or they think it's good based on how many numbers it has. You know, how many? And I think to me, as an, as an artist, once you start. If once you're writing something for what you think people will like, you're producing something. You're not, you're producing a product. You're not, it's not art because art is an expression of someone's feelings and emotions. Right. They're making a creation. When it it stops being art, when people start doing it to, you know, to not please themselves, but to please other people. Now, if you happen to be one of these people that produces art that everybody seems to enjoy, Mm -hmm. then that's great for you. But, um, I mean, many, there's been a lot of great artists that people didn't understand what they were doing for years afterwards, you know? And it's interesting that you say that because, and, and, and maybe it's because it's also, you know, I, you know, as a songwriter and as an artist that I feel like, you know, sometimes I fall into that hole. Um, do you sometimes find, find yourself falling in that hole, like, every now and then where you're just kind of like... Nah, you're, I stopped that a long time ago. And how did you get out of that? Because, and, and that's more of a feedback question for me because I, I'm currently, be, like I said, because of the situation where my band was in, where, you know, where we're like, you know, oh, we're trying to get some PR, we're trying to, you know, see if we can get some press or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I found myself being super conscious, unfortunately, now about like things like perception and like how it's how I'm perceived as an artist and as a writer and everything. And like, so like, how do you get back to that? Well, I mean, I think it's, you want to be, you got to think about how you're perceived. You know what I mean? You want to have, what's like Duke Ellington, you know, you want to represent yourself with dignity and elegance at all times. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's a, I don't think there's much integrity or dignity in doing things, you know, artistically making decisions because you think it's going to make you money or making this, that's not artistic integrity. It's interesting to think of like about art. When you were talking about that, I was thinking about like architecture and architecture. No one can judge. Architecture is judged by the process of making it, not by the finished product. You know, oh, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also not judged. Like how you can't really judge it until you see how it stood up 50 years and what, you know, how does it stand? Is it timeless or is it like now it's out of fashion and it's bad, you know? And so I think with, you know, you know, in the process being that like somebody might not have as much budget or they might have a more challenging terrain to be working in, you know what I mean? Or they might have clients that are, uh, or codes that are impeding their, you know, it's like it's making their design difficult to execute, you know? And so, and I think the music, a lot of those things are true too. You know, it's like there is the finished product and do people enjoy it or do they not? But there's also some of that. It's like, you know, did you make the songs a hit because it used, you know, the music of every breath you take (laughs) and you had a guy talking on top of it. You know what I mean? So how can you compare that with, you know, the end by the doors you know that's nine minutes long you know i mean it's like to me there's no conversation there but i bet the one sold more copies oh yeah exactly so uh, so when you think about all those things it's like and you start putting that in there it kind of makes you kind of go well what am i trying to do here and you know and if you're thinking about how people want to perceive you as or collins drive as a band or as songs like that then they need to be it is Collins Drive, isn't it? Yeah, you got it right, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you're going to think, what do you want? What side of that fence do you want to live on? You right. I mean? And I don't, and I don't think, uh, then it makes it kind of be easy, but it's like once those, that starts entering your conversation when you're writing a song, uh-huh. I mean, what are you doing here? Because if you're just going to be creating product for people, I'm not sure that the music business is the most, has the, highest chance highest return on your work and in the investment that you put into it you know oh yeah yeah absolutely and like you know 
Um, so like where you're at though, like you're, you're you're at this kind of a cool place now. I mean, like I mean, you is are you guys still on tour? Is is the tour still going? Just got home. Oh, you got just home at four in the morning. You last just night. got yeah. home, man. So well, well, first off, welcome home. And then, uh, <laughs> but that tour was a super cool tour to see you guys be a part of because you know um, you know I had written a review of the show and of course, like I said, like in my mind when I went into it, I was thinking to myself like I don't know how this pairing is going to work. It's a little odd to me, you know. And then then it, it kind of hit me, kind of like what we were talking about, like you know, good music is good music, and then good music kind of kind of you know you know surpasses and breaks through any kind of boundaries that might be set by people's expectations so like well it's kind of funny that you say about the pairing because i think that if you take the guys in allison chains their management and their label probably have a lot of ideas of who they should be paired with but you might find this surprising or not i'm saying that sarcastically that the guys in allison chains don't actually sit around listening to all the bands that just ripped off their sound and sounded exactly like them. They actually actually tend to not like those bands. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not... uh, They won't say it, but I will, which would be, you know, I'm not sure that Alice in Chains is spinning the new Godsmack record and wondering how they can put a tour together. You know? Yeah, that, that, that was a given. That, they won't that was a that, given. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, but I, you yeah. know, they do are fans of other bands. You know, like they do they do do shows with you know James Dixon and the Colts and stuff like that, and those are bands that they like. So I think that, you know, but the Colt doesn't sound anything like. Allison Chains, correct, you know? right, right. You know, so and I, uh, so I don't think that it, to me, they just want good music you know mm-hmm. not or and they or, and at the same time they also want to use their position to help the people that they you know believe in and care about and stuff like that and so that's why those relationships are really important you know which is super cool and like and like what a great compliment you know for you as as an artist and as a writer and as as your band you know to you know and which by the way your band was absolutely fantastic i wish i could i wish i would have seen you play some guitar though but uh how did it feel to just to be a front man out there you know um, I don't know, and I've done it before. Yeah, I kind of like it in some way. It's a lot less stressful, mm-hmm. and I think it makes it's a lot easier to connect. Makes it easier to connect with people. Yeah, but that's kind of that's kind of what I wanted to do this tour. Is I kind of um, the last few tours I did it a different way, and so it's like I want to change it up for my own interests. You know, right? And I'm a fan of like big, you know. Uh, like people like Prince and stuff like that, they kind of keep you guessing, you know what I mean? They're going to do it, you know? And I think that that's, uh, you know, you got to entertain yourself. And so I wanted to entertain myself and try something. So naturally now that we just did 30 shows, I'm kind of Jones in the play guitar. <laughs> but then at the time I just did, you know, the static land tours last year and those tours were all playing guitar and singing at the same time. So I kind of wanted to do the other thing. Right. You know? Well, so what do you? So what's next for? Uh, what's next for you guys? And like for like walking papers? I mean, you just got done with the uh, the Alice in Chains tour. Um, it's sad as it sounds. Uh-huh. It's, it's a, a bunch of social media to get ready for our next tour. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> oh, if you need a hand, don't call me. <laughs> Yeah, the next the next three months will the next two months will be nonstop social media bullshit to get ready to go on the uh, European tour. So, will you guys? Because I mean, WP two came out this year, which which by the way was yeah, you know, I, I told you it was like such a such an it. An inspiring album to me to hear, you know, like as as a musician and as a songwriter, like it it was not the album I was expecting to hear, you know. I I I, I you know I didn't know what to expect, and then when I finally caved in and listened to my friend and gave it a listen, I just was floored, you know. And so, of course, now I want more, you know. So like, are we gonna get are we gonna get like a headline tour or like what 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 do you think's gonna happen? I hope so. I mean, a lot of people don't know that the um, 
that record's a couple years old for me. The Static Line record is actually a more recent record. Right. You yeah. Know? And so, um, I mean, we're, the European dates that we're doing are on our, those are headlining dates over there. Uh-huh. And then we'll just kind of have to see what lines up next, but it seems like they should try to circle us back through the places we went because we definitely picked up a lot of new people and you know and fans and stuff like that and made a lot of new relationships so it'd be cool to kind of revisit those people and get to play some longer sets and you know show that we have a few more dimensions to what we do mm-hmm. 45 minutes or whatever it is right you know? right well so and i guess my final question too is that with so you have static land you've got walking papers and um oh god i'm sorry it's slipping by me the other project the other the, you, the missionary the missionary position. position thank you thank you thank you yeah. um st- like are are they all active projects that you just kind of bounce back and forth between and if, if so like how, how do you how do you juggle them and how do you balance them and like how how, how like how do you decide what gets the attention that it needs when yeah I kind of look at it as all it's like it's one body of work you know there's songs that I wrote but it was kind of like the different people and the respect for the people that I had you know and it's like a lot of people's egos get in the way or whatever you know it's, I can't get I had to do a static line record because I wasn't allowed to do another walking papers record at that point at that time, uh-huh. you know, because people weren't sure what they were doing. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here and not make a record while I'm waiting, you know? And I had offers from a label to make a record. And so I had an opportunity to do that. So it's like, why would I not get paid to go write songs and record them? You know what I mean? Right. And get a couple right. runs around the track. So I did. The unfortunate part is that, you know, you're, you know, you're spread in all these different directions and people aren't connecting the dots of all those bands that those are all songs that I wrote and putting it all in one place where it's easy to navigate, which drives me crazy. Cause I'm, that's the kind of thing that, you know, like if I go in, the, I don't want, if I'm working on something, I want my drill bits to all be in the drill box. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want, and I don't want, I don't want the cult gun in there. You know what I mean? And the paint stuff, I want that over in the, paint box you know right. what I mean and so right. it's like when I'm trying to put all my songs together see that it's between the four different bands because of the people involved you know and the missionary position which kind of started off as just fun right right the name was I mean you can't even boost speaking about social media you can't even boost an ad to promote a show because the name the missionary position is in there they won't let you do it <laughs> Right, so so now you got a name that you can't even say the name or put it in an advertising. So how are you supposed to let people know about it? You know, and I've had all these great career moves through my that I've trust. Like, hey, let's make a record. Let's not put our name on the cover. It's screwing up the art design. Smart. Let's have another one. I got an idea for our name. Let's just call it the missionary position. It's kind of funny. You know? And then, you know, so constantly I've made a bunch of bad decisions. A lot of good art, but a lot of bad decisions. And then, you know, so that's where we're standing in the uh, shadow of those those decisions. And, you know, well, walking, so pa- walking point, papers seems to be safe. So, <laughs> yeah, walking papers is safe enough and it seemed to get the most traction. So it's like if I make another record, it might be best to put it in that basket, you know. Yeah. Now, now will, so, um, will you ever mix material like as far as like in, in a live setting? Oh, yeah. I know you've done Even some shows. I know you've done played, I know you did some missionary position stuff. Stuff, you know so like um, yeah. you know I mean at the Allison Chain shows we played missionary position songs right well, yeah. as walking papers and so that's kind of like like I said with the egos it's like you know now that um, you know Duff's back to doing his Guns N' Roses thing and Barrett's doing his thing but Barrett was actually kind of cool I played some shows with him and he was he asked me to play some shows with him on this run that he did he was like we come and do some walking paper songs and I was like okay and then he was like do you have any songs that you want to do and I was like kind of thought that was really cool that he even asked and I was like you know I like these missionary position songs and so he left his ego at home and he went along and played those songs you know oh that's cool yeah yeah Yeah, so we and then so that's where it's kind of started so and he wasn't like 
insulted that we, you know, he thought it was cool to play those songs and some of those songs. He had a horn section and those songs had a lot more horns in them than some of the, and the walking papers didn't really have much of that. So it it was cool to do that and to break it up, but it's like, we weren't going to do guns and roses songs <laughs> we actually made a you know a conscious effort of like you know it's not that band you know what i mean right and with duff being in the band like i can imagine that 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 at first glance from a lot of people that that must be a hard pill to swallow for some you know where they're like dude you got duff in the band <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, and you're I was, like, i'm like you're at the wrong show you're, you're like I mean? and, you're and like, like yeah but he, he's my bass player <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? kind of you know, I mean, we made the record before he joined, you know? Right. So it was cool that, like, he joined our thing, but it wasn't it wasn't his thing, you know what I mean? And it definitely wasn't like, hey, let's, you know, where I think some of those bands, people are putting stuff together to go, like, you know, we can circle the track because we'll make a bunch of money playing Guns N' Roses songs, you know? I mean, and, and uh, what they're doing they have their band to do that you know what i mean right yeah and it's, it's so funny yeah. too you know like you some of that i mean and i probably should let you go because uh i got some things to do but they uh you know i'll have people go it's not walking papers without death i'm like well you didn't play on the first fucking record in the first place and then i'll be like uh you know you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are Guns N' Roses fans are going to be disappointed. I'm like, well, look, maybe you can go and see his other band that doesn't have all the original members, too. <laughs> you know I mean? Actually, I have to tell you something funny a friend of mine said. Because we actually are the original members. Because <laughs> You actually are the original members, which is yeah. hilarious. Actually, a friend of mine asked me, he was like, he's like, dude, so when you, hung out with Walk- when you hung out with Jeff from Walking Papers, are they touring in a, band or a, a van or a bus? And I was like, they're touring in a van. And he goes, no Duff, no bus. And I was like, fuck that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. Well, and that, that was my thing, too. I would have never, I mean, I did take a bus with them. Duff wanted a bus, but it's like we couldn't afford it any more than we could now. Yeah, and screw I that, man. Took, and if it was up to me, I wouldn't have took a bus in the first place because I just think it's a, unnecessary and it's a waste of money. Well, it's like you, you know? said, you want to go home with money in your pocket, you know, so, right. you, know, you know. And so it's like, and on those tours, we didn't because of that and then on these ones we do so there you go you know learn how to scrunch up duff you're in the back seat yeah. dude <laughs> uh, and he don't have to he can he can afford to not make money while he's doing it you know but then the rest of us it's like we don't have that luxury oh know? yeah no absolutely absolutely but i didn't see him going hey although he did you know i'm all for giving credit work credits due and taking accountability for whatever and, and he was uh you know, he wasn't like, hey, guys, I'll get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> he wasn't offering to pay for it. But at the same time, he did open a lot of doors and make things happen for us. Yeah. But, you know, like sometimes they're like, will you guys do a Kickstarter thing for this or that? And they're like, how can you do a Kickstarter thing when you have some guy in your band that's a multimillionaire? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> and ask the fans to pay for it. Really? No, I can't. That ain't, I just don't feel right about that. But then I wouldn't that's feel hilarious. right about charging $200 for tickets to yeah. see someone. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. It's like, just ask Duff for the money. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, so. Well, Jeff, dude, man, I really enjoyed this interview, man. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk uh, about the craft and yeah, the business pleasure. and all that You're stuff, easy to man. Talk to. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, man, and um, uh, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to that. Don. All right, you thanks. Take it easy. You too. Bye.